As the Orioles won another series and took three out of four games from the Detroit Tigers over the weekend, they got some big contributions from some rookies who were added to the roster during the series, like D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz. But those guys both went back to the minors after the series was over. It's been part of some flip-flopping for a couple of Orioles prospects, including Stowers and Taron Vavra as well. So in this episode, I answer the question, what's next for those four Orioles young guys? That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look at the current situations for four young Orioles players, D.L. Hall, Joey Ortiz, Taryn Vavra, and Kyle Stowers. They've all been kind of up and down so far this season between AAA and the majors, so we'll try to figure out what are the Orioles' plans for them and when and if they will become everyday guys on the big league roster in 2023. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So the Orioles, over the weekend, took three out of four from the Detroit Tigers. Another series win. It was their sixth in a row, the first time since 2014 that the Orioles have won six consecutive series in a single season. And they got some really good outputs from some young guys this weekend. I talked about it on Monday's episode of the podcast. Go back and listen to that one or watch it if you haven't already. A good recap of the O's taking three out of four in Detroit. But two of those guys who made a big impact were D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz, who were both called up in or before the Detroit series for their 2023 MLB debuts. They each made an impact, and then they were each sent back to AAA at some point during the series. And similar things happened to Kyle Stowers and Taron Vavra. Vavra went down to AAA to make room for Ortiz, and Stowers came up when Ortiz went back down to AAA. And these are all four guys who have been basically sitting in the Orioles' top 15 prospects for the last couple of years. I think everybody agrees that any of these four guys could be, and potentially for some of them should be, a part of of the Orioles' future. So it does beg the question for a lot of these guys, like, what is that future? What is the plan? Because they're going up and down right now. So let's start with D.L. Hall. Because you could argue, out of the four players we're going to talk about today, Hall has the highest ceiling. The left-hander who the Orioles took in the first round in 2017 finally got to the big leagues last year. Remember, he came up, made that one start in August, the plan was to immediately send him back down. Didn't pitch too, too well. He was okay in that game in Tampa. Then the Orioles basically built him down, you could say, as a reliever. Brought him back up in September. Pitched out of the bullpen in September. Had a couple of rough outings, but was generally very good and finished his season really, really strong. But the O's came into camp saying D.L. Hall is still a starting pitcher, which I was on board with. 
He's still been a starter throughout the minors. He's still young. Starters are more valuable than relievers. Let him try to do that. And he tried in camp, but he got a late start. He had a little bit of a back issue, pushed back his camp. The Orioles said he was never going to be ready and built up as a starter by opening day. So it seemed like unless the O's had a bunch of injuries and they had to put him in the bullpen, he was going to go to AAA as a starter to begin the year. I think we all understood that. But at this point, he's been fairly built up. In his last AAA start on April 21st, five innings, two runs, five hits, five Ks, two walks, a hit batter, and a home run. But he threw 85 pitches, which was his highest pitch count. He was scheduled to start Friday for Norfolk once again, probably would have eclipsed 90 pitches, and within his next couple of AAA starts is probably going to get close to 100 pitches or at least 90 plus in every single one, which tells me he's pretty much built up as a starter. Now, the Orioles though, they needed an arm and they needed an arm who has shown it at the big league level already, is available to pitch, and could pitch in bulk if they needed it because Friday's game was canceled. They had a doubleheader on Saturday, and the bullpen has been stretched a little thin lately. So they felt like that 27th man for the doubleheader, that extra guy you get to call up for any doubleheader, had to be a pitcher who can give you length. And it was D.L. Hall, and he gets into the game on Saturday because Dean Kramer was not good. Gives up five runs in five innings, but credit to Kramer, he did get through five innings. And with the Orioles trailing, it was kind of a perfect time to bring in Hall. You hope at worst he finishes the game and you lose, but he saves the bullpen. And at best, Hall pitches so well that your offense has a chance to come back. Then you can go to the back end of the bullpen and win the game. It was the former. Hall pitched well, but offense didn't come back. He gave up a couple of runs. Orioles lose the game, but he saves the bullpen. He goes three innings in that outing on Saturday. He allows... Five hits, two runs, seven Ks to one walk, a homer, only two hard hit balls. And he saved the pen because nobody else out of the bullpen had to come out there, which meant in game two, which the Orioles did have to use a good amount of relievers, and the game they won, they had every single reliever available because they were off Friday and none of them except for Hall had to pitch in the first game Saturday. So he did a great job there, but he also pitched well. Seven strikeouts to one walks in three innings. That's pretty impressive. 12 whiffs. Took him 75 pitches to get through three innings. It's kind of what you expect at this point from D.L. Hall. It's going to be a high pitch count. But he got six whiffs on his changeup on 11 swings. That pitch was dominant. The fastball velocity was a little bit down. He was more 93 to 95, whereas he has sat 96, 97 in the past. But Hall even had an explanation for that after the game. He said because of the back issue that he had early in spring training... He had not been able to really get into the weight room until last week. So he had just started lifting weights again last week, which meant his strength wasn't fully up and his velocity wasn't fully up. He thinks at some point here in May, the velo is going to return to what it usually is because he's going to be regularly in the weight room again. So you like what you see there from D.L. Hall. And he had been kind of his D.L. Hall self, I would say, in AAA. He had made four AAA starts before the Orioles called him up. 16 in the third innings, he had a 4-4-1 ERA, 20 strikeouts, 15 hits, 9 walks, 3 homers in 16 in the third innings. That's what we've seen from D.L. Hall a lot of the times. A lot of strikeouts, few too many walks, a couple of long balls, not that many hits. That's, that's what he's going to give you. So he's going to continue to build up over the next couple of starts. The O's will probably have him surpass 90 pitches in his next two starts. And after two more starts, you know, he'll probably start late this week and then in the middle of next week. For the Tides, 
And in three weeks from now, like he's going to be fully built up. Two or three weeks. He's going to be good to go. And you could theoretically bring him up to the Major League roster at that point. So that brings us to the question, you know, what's next? Well, when the Orioles get him fully built up, again, probably after two more starts, they're going to reevaluate. That's what they said they would do when they sent him to AAA to start the season. Hey, we're going to build him up over about six weeks and then reevaluate once he's fully built up as a starter. Well, after two more starts, they're going to be at that clip. Now, they probably didn't expect to call him up in the meantime and have him pitch in one game. And I think that helps because they got to look at him, right, in the big leagues already. And he pitched well, 7Ks to one walk, only two hard hit balls. You know, despite giving up a solo homer, that was one of only two hard hit balls against Hall in this game. I thought he pitched really, really well in this one uh, on Saturday against Detroit. Even with the low fastball velocity, he was still getting swings and misses, five whiffs on the fastball. So it's going to be really interesting in a couple of weeks. Now, the one thing that is kind of unfortunate for fans who want to see D.L. Hall in the big leagues, that includes myself, and he's kind of fortunate for the Orioles is that it's not like he's on a rehab assignment, you know, and you need to bring him to the big leagues. And it's not like he's like out of MLB options, right? And he's got to go to the big league roster. They can, if they want to, just kind of keep Hall in the minors in AAA for as long as they want until they would absolutely need him. That's what does kind of help the Orioles out at the moment is that It'd be nice to see them make a decision in a couple of weeks, but they don't have to. They could continue to keep him in AAA. Now, if things get really bad with Dean Kramer and he makes a couple more bad starts, Hall could take Kramer's spot in the rotation. It's not out of the question. He could go back to the bullpen. You know, the Orioles' worst two relievers right now in their bullpen are two of their three lefties, CNL Perez and Keegan Aiken. Hall showed that he could do it out of the bullpen as a lefty last year. He would certainly help this team win if he replaced Aiken or Perez right now. He'd be better than both of them. I think pretty much everybody would agree with that, that Hall in a relief role right now is better than CNL Perez and Keegan Aiken. I don't even think that's a conversation. That's just a fact at this point. So that could happen as well. But what makes this plan even more intriguing and maybe more difficult for the Orioles is that Michael Givens and Dylan Tate are going to be back soon. They have each pitched in multiple rehab games already in double-A Bowie. Tate and Givens over the next couple of weeks, right around when Hall is, quote, built up and ready, they're going to be ready too. And this is a, a podcast episode down the road that we're going to get to, but the O's have some really tough decisions with who they're going to send down when Tate and Givens get activated. Because those are your two veteran relievers, and you want those guys in the bullpen. But this pen is pitching so well that it's going to be really hard to make those decisions. So you're telling me you got to add Givens, Tate, and Hall and take people out of this roster where the relievers have been better than the starters. Only one of those three guys is a legitimate starting pitcher. It's going to be really tough. So here's my prediction. I think the O's will kick the can down the road a little bit. I don't think after two starts they'll make a full decision. I think they'll let him start through May in AAA Norfolk. They'll let Givens and Tate come up. They'll make the you know, tough decisions, whether it's optioning Aiken, maybe they DFA Perez or Voth. Maybe Kramer gets sent down to kind of reset. Whatever happens, they get Givens and Tate on the roster. And they let those two guys pitch for a couple of weeks in the big leagues. And they see how the rotation and the bullpen looks pretty much at full strength health-wise. You know, minus John Means, once they get Givens and Tate back, they'll be fully healthy as a pitching staff. So they can kind of evaluate for a little while how it looks fully healthy. 
And then we get into kind of early to mid-June, and then I think the O's make the Hall decision. Because if they're still having trouble, whether somebody's struggling in the bullpen, or they really need a different starter to give them kind of a change of pace and get that stuff up there, I think they call him up. If they don't, I think they kind of keep him in AAA for longer. Now, he is going to be in the big leagues at some point this year in a serious role. I think it's more likely at this point that he pitches in a relief role full-time down the road. I still want to give him every chance to be a starter, but I think it's a relief future for D.L. Hall, at least for now. The pitch counts are still high. He showed he can be dominant in the bullpen. I think the Orioles are going to use him in kind of a hybrid to relief role at some point. And I think by the second half of the year, he'll be steadily in that position where he stays on the roster for the rest of the season. But I do think especially with those Tate and Givens decisions coming up, I don't think the O's want to give themselves another tough decision on the pitching staff when they already have two of them. So I think it'll be a little more of a delay on D.L. Hall. And it could be the same thing for Joey Ortiz, who came up and impressed in his three games, but we kind of knew he was going back to AAA. Although it does raise the question, when's he coming back next? And when's he coming back for good? Answer that question coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Now, buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, right? Well, Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, your music, comedy, theater, everything near you. I'm not a big buy tickets ahead of time guy. It's probably a factor of I live near the stadium. When I go to a game at Camden Yards, I just kind of spur the moment thing sometimes. Game Time helps with that because they've got killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and get hyped for all the fun you'll have. And they've got these flash deals for last minute tickets. The app is so easy to use too. They just make it great for you. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find the tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace, transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. And unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. And win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. And so rare, they have MLB game weeks that happen twice weekly, and managers who rank near the top of the leaderboards win a variety of rewards. They can include scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled S-O-R- are.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today. So even though it was definitely fun to see DL Hall back in the big leagues, at least for a moment, in the game he pitched in on Saturday, 
the most exciting debut of the season was Joey Ortiz over the weekend. We got word from the Orioles on Thursday afternoon. They, they would be calling up Joey Ortiz on Thursday to make his major league debut. And in the corresponding move, they optioned Taron Vavra down to AAA Norfolk. Now, for Joey Ortiz, we did kind of know almost immediately, especially from the reporting, that it was going to be a short-term fix for the Orioles. They were facing three consecutive left-handed starters in the four-game series in Detroit in Joey Wentz, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Matthew Boyd. So they wanted right-handed hitters. Taron Vavra has not been playing at all against lefties. And frankly, Taron Vavra had been pretty bad this year. He had options. Ortiz was already on the 40-man roster. That's the difference between him and a guy like Jordan Westberg or Connor Norby or even Colton Kowser is that Ortiz had to be added to the 40-man this offseason to be protected from the Rule 5 draft. So he's already on there, which gives him certainly a leg up to the other prospects. And he was an infielder, as is Vavra most of the time. So it made it an easy call for the Orioles to go with Joey Ortiz. They were already planning to call him up a couple weeks ago when Ramon Arias got hit in the head with a pitch. And if Arias went on the IL, Ortiz was going to be there in Baltimore. Just didn't happen. Arias ended up being okay. And Ortiz stayed in AAA. But he comes up and, hey, he goes two for eight. Four RBIs for him, including three RBIs in his debut game on Thursday. Only other Oriole to do that was Don Baylor back in the 70s. And he started all three games against lefties in the first three, again with a two for eight. And then the Orioles were facing a righty on Sunday, and they sent him right back down and recalled Kyle Stowers to get another lefty in that lineup. And you could kind of see it coming. I thought maybe they would bring him up for a little bit longer. There was a chance that the O's were going to potentially face a lefty in the Kansas City series that is coming up starting tonight. And Ryan Yarborough is the starter for tonight's game. So I thought maybe they'd keep him around past Yarborough and then send him down. But instead, they, they make the move that we thought was going to happen. Now, I liked what I saw from Ortiz, right? Now, he played second base, which is interesting to know because he's played mostly shortstop in the minors. He's played some second, but he's so good at short. He's played mostly there. And even though he started all three games at second base, he looked super comfortable at that position. Even had that just hilarious moment on Thursday when Eric Haas slid into second and Ortiz caught the throw from Ramon Arias and it was called safe on the field as Ortiz then threw to first to try and get a double play but Ortiz told Haas he was out even though Haas was called safe and Haas started walking back to the dugout unfortunately the Orioles kind of weren't as aware as they needed to be to get that out and he was able to scramble back to the base and dive in safely but just a, a heady moment by Joey Ortiz, and that was cool to see, but he also hit the ball well, and that's what he's been doing in AAA. That's what he did in the second half of last year when he changed the stance and changed the swing. 72 plate appearances in AAA for Ortiz, 359 average, 389 on base, 500 slugging, still without a homer, but he's got extra base hits, 124 WRC+, still playing elite defense, and again, we knew it was going to be a short-term thing. There was pretty much nothing Ortiz could do except for like homer four times to get him to stick around on the team. They were probably going to go back to a lefty. But now it's interesting because now he's gotten his little taste, you know, three starts against a bad team in the Tigers, had some success, drove in four runs. Those are all good things that he's gotten his feet wet in the big leagues. Now he's going to go for a little more seasoning in AAA. We know the defense is there, but make sure the bat can stay consistent. I do think the one thing for Ortiz is he's going to come up for the next injury, right? So if Arias goes down, if Henderson goes down, Frazier goes down, if even Stowers or McKenna go down or Jorge Mateo, I think we're going to see Joey Ortiz be the first one to come up. Because again, he's got the talent and he's on the 40-man, which is huge. 
You don't have to make a 40-man move, and he's already been in the big leagues for three games. So I think he's going to be the next guy. So if you're asking what's immediately next for Ortiz, it is he's the guy who's ready if anyone gets injured. Even if a guy doesn't go on the injured list, if they're just going to be out for a few days and the O's need an infielder, Ortiz is going to be the move. Or even maybe the O's get into another point in the schedule here down the road where they're seeing like four lefties in a row. Maybe they make the Ortiz-Stower swap again and Ortiz comes back to face the lefties. That could happen again. I'm not ruling that out at all. But I think your main question, if you're listening to this, is probably, well, when's the permanent call-up coming? I think that could be a while for Joey Ortiz. And quite frankly, there's no guarantee that that long-term call-up even comes in 2023. Because the Orioles infield right now is playing well. Jorge Mateo has been amazing so far this season. Adam Frazier is doing his job. And the O's gave him $8 million. They are not going to give up on him in May. He's going to stick around most likely for the whole season. Ramon Arias is doing Ramon Arias things. Not amazing, but solid defense, solid offense. Just giving you everything you want. And... Although Gunnar Henderson hasn't been good at the plate, he's still drawing his walk, still playing solid defense, and they're not going to send Henderson down. Maybe if he had another two months like this, they'd send him back to AAA, but right now, Gunnar Henderson is too good of a player, too good of a prospect. They're keeping him in the big leagues. So right now, everybody's got their spot, and they've got a good kind of lefty-righty mix in that lineup as well. So I think it would have to take some sort of injury to get him here right now, and if there's not one... Yeah, I think he'll be up at times to face some lefties. And yeah, maybe they'll make a move at some point where Frazier's just not working out and they make a move. Or Stowers really struggles again, so they go back to Ortiz. Or McKenna's terrible, or, or, or whomever. And they go, you know, Ryan O'Hearn just isn't hitting anymore. They go to Ortiz as that extra guy on the bench. I could see those things happening down the road. But the mainstay call-up where he starts to play almost every day... Unless somebody really tanks or gets a serious injury, it may not happen this year. I mean, the whole thing we talked about in the offseason was he's going to replace Jorge Mateo when the Orioles realize they just can't put Mateo's bat in the lineup anymore. Mateo's been the Orioles' best hitter a month into the season. So you can't replace him. So it's basically a waiting game on Mateo. If he comes back to earth, then maybe Ortiz gets the job after the All-Star break. But until that happens... He's kind of blocked right now, and it's a good problem to have because the Orioles are 19-9, and and they're playing good baseball, and Ortiz is just kind of a filler for now. He'll be more down the line, but right now, the O's kind of have a good problem with Ortiz, and you may have to pump the brakes on seeing him be the everyday shortstop for the O's. But there's two more guys I wanted to get to before I finish off the pod. They're two guys who have been kind of looped in with each other for the past year or so. That's Taron Vavra and Kyle Stowers, both playing the kind of Shoots and ladders up and down with AAA, specifically this weekend, but for most of the season as well. And so, will either of them stick? Could both of them stick? Will neither of them stick in the big leagues? Talk about that coming up next to finish off the pod. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, some people spend a lot of time on themselves every week and spend it a lot of time on other people. But it's hard to balance those two things. And it's so easy to get caught up with what everyone else needs. It's hard to take a moment for yourself sometimes. But when we spend all our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Well, therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life. 
so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Therapy has worked for me. It can work for you too. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnMLB. So with all these young players playing well for the O's at times, but also getting shifted up and down between Baltimore and Norfolk a little bit, try to figure out what the plans are. Talked about D.L. Hall, talked about Joey Ortiz. We're going to finish up with the combo platter of Kyle Stowers and Taryn Vavra because that's what they've kind of been at this point, right? Think about the O's roster. You, a time or two, you the listener, you the viewer right now, you have looped in Kyle Stowers and Taryn Vavra as a package deal at some point. I've done it. It just happens. They came up kind of close to each other last year. They had the same thing going on where they were playing a little bit, but not every day. They were riding the bench for a bit. Both of them were kind of a package deal as the final two hitters to make the opening day roster this year. And now each of them has been sent down to AAA Norfolk after some struggles. Now, right now, as we speak, Monday evening here, Vavra's in AAA. He had a heck of a weekend after being sent there on Thursday. Went 7 for 15 with 3 RBIs, 2 doubles, and had a 5-hit game. And Stowers is back in the big leagues. He had been sent down a while back after not playing much at all in the Orioles' first 10 games. He dominated AAA once again. 75 plate appearances, 293, 427, 569 slash line, 5 homers a 153 WRC plus showing he's once again clearly too good to be just hitting AAA pitching. And he comes back up on Sunday to replace Joey Ortiz on the roster, starts as the cleanup hitter the day he gets recalled from AAA, which was kind of funny to me, to be honest. And he goes one for four with a single, gets his first MLB hit of the season, now one for eight with four Ks and two walks in the bigs this year. Taron Vavra, similar to Stowers, was really struggling in the big leagues. 31 plate appearances, hitting 231, 310 on base, 231 slugging, hitting for no power, doesn't have an extra base hit, only a 61 WRC+. He was playing a solid outfield. He was playing more left and right field for the Orioles than second base. So that was helpful, and he was versatile, and we know he can play third and first, did some third as well, but just wasn't hitting nearly enough to stay on the roster. So I get the Ortiz promotion, and then I get replacing him with Stowers, on Sunday. So what's next for both? Let's start with Stowers because he's currently on the major league roster. The only of the four guys that as I speak is on the big league roster. I think with Vavra in AAA and Stowers here, we're going to see more Kyle Stowers over the next couple of weeks in the lineup than we did the first two weeks of the season. Remember, he only started like one of nine games and then got sent down. I know Ryan O'Hearn is on the roster too, and he is a lefty. But Stowers is just a better outfielder than O'Hearn is. O'Hearn's a first baseman who happens to play some corner outfielder. Stowers is an outfielder. So he's going to play out there more than O'Hearn, I think, especially because although O'Hearn's been clutch and gotten some big hits, got a big RBI single Sunday, it's not like he's been in the lineup anything close to every day since the Orioles called him up. He is expendable as well. Like You could see the O's option him or DFA him, I think, at any time, really. Stowers, I think, is going to play more now that Vavra's down because I said it when Stowers got optioned early in the year. 
It was telling that the day before the Orioles sent Stowers down, they were facing a right-handed pitcher, and they played Taryn Vavra in right field and had Kyle Stowers on the bench. Vavra's mostly an infielder. That told you a lot about what they thought about Stowers at that point. So they did send him down, dominated AAA. Vavra struggled in the big leagues, and they do the flip-flop here on the roster, essentially. Yeah, Joey Ortiz was sandwiched in the middle, but it was basically a Stowers for Vavra flop. I think we're going to see more. I don't think you're going to have to hold your horses on him playing against left-handed starters. I don't think we're going to see it a lot. Now, the O's don't have an abundance of righties right now on the roster. So one of these lefties is going to have to play every time against a lefty. Whether it's Stowers, it's O'Hearn, it's Henderson, it's Frazier. One of them is going to have to play every time and maybe two of them. So that gives Stowers a little better chance to play against lefties. I still think it's going to be mostly righties. That's okay. You see way more righties than you see lefties on a game-to-game basis. But we're going to see him more. Because in the outfield, you're going to see Mullins, Hayes, Santander. But the DH spot when Adley's catching is going to be open. And it could go to Stowers. It could go to Santander with Stowers and right. It could go to O'Hearn some. But I think it's going to go to Stowers more. We're going to see him more. And the O's are going to give him more of a chance to play every day. Now, it's not going to be every single day. He's still going to be in and out of the lineup, but they're going to give him a chance. And I think they'll give him about a month here before that Colton Kowser idea pops into their head. Maybe they'll give Santander a few more days off because he's been struggling. Maybe Hayes gets a few days off just because he's dealing with that hand issue once again. But they're going to give themselves about a month to see if Colton Kowser keeps it up because Kowser's got a higher ceiling than Stowers. He just does. But Stowers is going to get a chance here and we'll see how he takes it. On the Vavra side, I think he's going to be back this year. He's he's depth. He's a utility guy, which is good to have. I think he's almost certainly going to be back. But I do want to warn you of this. I do not think Taron Vavra is ever going to be an everyday player for the Baltimore Orioles. He could be for another team, potentially, if he goes elsewhere. But I don't think he's ever going to be a everyday player. At best, he's a super utility guy. I think the issue with Vavra... Only one home run in over 100 big league plate appearances at this point. And that came on the last day of the regular season last year. No extra base hits this year. He hits for virtually no power. And you have to be a special hitter to make it in the big leagues with no power. You have to be Luis Arise level, who's hitting 430 right now for the Marlins, I think, with not many homers because he doesn't have power. But he is a special hitter. Vavra is not that at this point. So if you have no power at all, especially as a lefty at Camden Yards, you're not going to be super valuable. And yes, he's been solid in the outfield and okay in the infield, but he's not elite defensively at any of those positions to make him you know, where you have to roster him. That's where we're at with Vavra. He's going to play in AAA. He's going to rake probably. Already had a five-hit game. And we're going to see him back in the big leagues at some point. But I just don't see an everyday role. I see a utility role. And I could see Vavra not spending much more time in the big leagues this year because he got off to a slow start. He's back in AAA. And yes, he's got a leg up because he's on the 40-man and he has big league experience. But he's going to hear those footsteps of Joey Ortiz and Jordan Westberg and Connor Norby and Colton Kowser. And just like I said with Stowers, they all have higher ceilings than Taron Vavra does. So if those guys are ready and the O's want to promote them, they're going to give them a chance over Vavra at this point. So I could see Vavra being on the roster for a while still this year as that bench utility guy. But the everyday role, it's just never coming for Taron Vavra. But that's a look at what I think the Orioles could and, and should do potentially with these four young guys who 
I mean, their their roles are definitely in question for the O's right now. But what's not in question is that the O's are a good baseball team right now. 19-9, and second in the AL East, third best record in baseball. And they finish off their stretch of 22 straight games against bad teams starting tonight. A three-game series in Kansas City against the Royals. It'll be Ryan Yarborough, the lefty, going for Kansas City. So we'll get an early test. Will Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias and Sig Dell play Kyle Stowers against a lefty tonight? There could be a chance for it to happen. Ryan Yarborough, we know him from his Tampa Bay days, does have a 6.35 ERA this year. Hasn't been great. Going up against Tyler Wells, who you could argue has been the Orioles' best starter. Start of a three-game series where the O's, in this stretch, against the bad teams, 15-4 and four in these 19 games. You get two of three in Kansas City. You win a seventh straight series. You go to 17-5 and five in that stretch. You go to 21-10 and 10 overall. Then things get hard starting in Atlanta this weekend. But that is a really good stretch. And I'll be back on the pod tomorrow recapping game one between the O's and the Royals and talking a little about some... April awards for the O's. Who owned April for the Orioles? We'll highlight them coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.